It's the Law and Business Podcast, hosted by Anthony Verna. We tackle the hard issues where law and business intersect to help you understand your business's legal obligations better. Anthony's law practice is focused on trademark, copyright, other intellectual property, and advertising and promotion law. You can contact him at anthony at vernalaw.com and at 212-729-5651. And now, the Law and Business Podcast. So welcome again to the Law and Business Podcast. I'm here again with Oz Sultan. How are you doing, Oz? Hello. Uh, good to be catching up. <laughs> so, uh, so let's start here. Plug yourself once again for those who may have missed your previous Sure. Uh, I'm Oz Sultan. I focus on digital strategy, brand management, uh, the execution and development of social campaigns and lead generation. And uh, we have a new analytics dashboard product. So if you have a big data problem or a social digital data problem or a brand problem, SEM, that kind of stuff, we can probably help you develop your KPIs and look at all of that stuff in a simple way that your executives will love. What is a KPI? A key, I do advertise a lot. I never heard that. Key phrase. performance indicator. Okay. That's, it's basically what are your metrics. It's like what's important to you. I can't keep up with the TLAs today. I know. <laughs> uh, at least that's better than, than trying to keep up with the TLDs. <laughs> Those I can keep up with. <laughs> and the TNCs. Um, quick aside, speaking of TLDs. Watch your P's and Q's. Yes, exactly. Speaking of, speaking of top-level domains, uh, there are some issues because apparently I can allowed dot sucks. Mm-hmm. And, of course, a lot of companies are up in arms because no, who, who wants to... Let's, let's talk about the most important person who's up in arms. Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Did somebody register TaylorSwift.com? No, Taylor, as soon as the TLDs came out, Taylor Swift went out and registered a lot of those for herself. And it kind of harkens back to, in 2000, going back to yesteryear, you know, going back to uh, 2001, 2002. Uh, no, when I was running... Um, okay. When I was running FYE.com, which had to be purchased from the Phi family of Australia, uh, and that was a Transworld property back when Transworld was a $3 billion company, um, and had all of the music stores in the country, and then bought Tower and Warehouse and sort of imploded like a flan in the cupboard. Um, I uh, I had to sit there with this much... Older than I, uh, woman, and explain to her in graphic detail why um, why we had to buy swear word permutations of the domain. She was sitting there basically just ghost faced with the list I gave her because there was about seventy five different permutations, but it was basically f. Camelot, F Coconuts, F FYE, because they owned every single music store back then. Right. Understand. Um, So one of the things that, you know, that that harkens back to is reputation management and piracy and and some of the things I guess you want to discuss today. Sure. We can can easily slide in because talking about management of intellectual property and and that's one way of managing trademarks and managing brands. And and as many brand owners will, will tell you. You have to make sure that that people can't can't come at you in other ways, and having all those owning all those domain names, regardless of the permutations, is one way of getting people to not not talk about 
Just out of curiosity, how much are the dot sucks domains? Dot sucks? Yeah. Or dot sucks? Dot sucks. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, some are going for 2500 Um let's, yeah. see. let's take a look. Because I know some... Um, I know some are going for really high numbers here. But... Um, Joel Wilcox dot sucks. So, uh, whoever owns that now is selling it for about four thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah, I, you know, so so some some people are buying um, some people are buying domains like ADP dot sucks, AppleCare dot sucks, mm-hmm. dot sucks. But but you know, and and I'll go into uh, I'll go into something that I did a long time ago. And I wrote a paper on. Um, Brand management, and really, it was it was for musicians, but ultimately, musicians are a subsect of, of being a brand. And domain names, you know, when when you file a domain name, you have to know that you've got some ability to to use it. By the and, way, the dot sucks domain I just searched. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dot sucks domains are expensive; they're two hundred thirty bucks a pop. Right, right. And, and and with these brand domain names, I mean that's cyber squatting mm-hmm. uh, under U.S. federal law. The, uh, we don't really call it cyber squatting, although I forget the term now in the in the trademark statute. But mm-hmm. it a cyber piracy. No, it's not cyber piracy. I forget the term. But anyway, it is it is a trademark infringement to take a domain name mm-hmm. that you know that is somebody else's right and and use it and and also it's a violation of the udrp uniform domain name resolution policy to not have good faith right to use a, a domain name of somebody else's trademark now well, one, one bad th- faith is, is a different story as well and you know somebody could set up an email address and use it and mm-hmm. maybe that's good faith but you know if you buy a domain name with somebody else's trademark and you're out to badmouth that company or just kind of hold it hostage uh, and and try to resell it for a lot of money, that's not going to be good faith. No. What, I think one of the things to think about, too, is, um, well, in addition to what you do and the work that you do, one of the easiest ways to to really kind of see where you are is to take a look at Howard Greenstein, who you know we've known from the tech community forever, um, has a new company called Domain Skate. Okay. Uh, which is a good way for you to kind of check what is the reputation around your brand. And what's interesting too, and you two should actually talk next week. Um, there's they can help shepherd the litigation process. Um, and, and one of one of the pieces of this is if someone is squatting on a permutation of your brand, you know, say for example, you uh, you had uh, I, I, it's I think it's Olive Garden has sued a few people in the past, but I'm tr- trying to think of a someone who's more germane where there was it, it's kind of like co-option, right? So it's, it's whatever sure. you had was very close to the name of the the brand that's there. Um, and that happens on a regular basis. Uh, I mean, one of the things that, that we'd sort of laughed about was I think someone had, um, someone had created Taco Bell with an E. <laughs> this is a while back, but, uh, what, like a woman, like, yeah. Like, so you, you have a picture, a picture of a woman and it's Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, but because the, the trademark sounds the same, you know, it's, and they hadn't trademarked and I think they got shut down. It was just a, a one timey thing in the South, but, uh, because the trademarks in place you know, the trademarks in force. And it's, it's really something to think about in terms of your brand. And then really if you're even creating a brand and, and even nowadays with, 
with all the brand assimilation going on, I mean, Kraft just bought Heinz, so I suppose you can now have macaroni and cheese and ketchup and some sort of value pack <laughs> at Sam's Club. Um, but uh, I love your cynicism. Yeah. You know, it's it, this is where it's going, man. You know, it's it's going into brand wars, sure, um, and it's it's going into you know brand carteling uh, based upon who you are and and where those brands are important in your life. Uh, and I think people need to be aware of that. I think people need to be aware of that in sort of the, the trademark aspect that you're talking about, um, and then to everything that you're talking about with the UDP and those pieces. You know, it's it's what is what is there beyond fair use and. And how do you really protect your brand online? And, and how do you handle your reputation management if you really piss someone off? Like, what if someone went out and spent the money to buy Comcast.socks? And I would say there's there's an ability to, uh, under the U.S. Constitution, we have a First Amendment right to at least express an opinion about a company. Mm-hmm. But on the same token, you don't have the ability to... Uh, block that business's ability to do commerce mm-hmm. in many states, and you don't have a right to defame a company. No. And frankly, when it comes to a domain name, it, it, it's straight out trademark infringement if you're taking that domain name and either using it to to just resell and make a profit, or using it to um, you know really speak poorly about the the. The, the company that that domain name's about. Well, I mean, in, in a lot of cases, you know, when it's expletive or F-word or something like right. that, name, yeah, it, it's kind of clear-cut. Um, the problem that you sort of run into is it's it's the opposite of... Um, what exactly was the term? Um, it's all, all of this uh, revenge porn stuff that was going on online. I mean, that guy right. just got 18 years. Um, oh, yes. and, and realistically, what that could be used at, looked at is it's an infringement issue on the rights of the content holder. It's also an issue of interstate commerce fraud for underage sex trafficking. Okay? Mm-hmm. So weird things that kind of come into play with all these little digital it, it, tools it, that we're talking about. It's really about. the law of un- unintended consequences in in play, right? For the dot socks, we know ICANN was looking to was looking to create conversations, and the, and they really ICANN really wanted to have something like life dot socks or divorce dot socks, mm-hmm. and and you know maybe it's a little on the controversial side, but the idea was was that this these domain names are about things that hurt people mm-hmm. and. They didn't really think that through <laughs> that there are that 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 some people might no, take it to name of person dot sucks name of religion dot sucks right. name of political concept dot sucks it's 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 really open for you know it's, it's a shooting gallery of sorts absolutely but but we're talking about intellectual property protection in general mm-hmm. and and that's that's trademark protection copyright protection comes in with businesses that create works that fall under copyright law. Right. And, and, you know, just like we just talked about, having a sliding scale, where's your ability to protect? Same with copyright law. Where's your ability to protect and what makes sense and what doesn't make sense? Um, I'm not a Game of Thrones fan, um, but you certainly 
have seen the Game of Thrones downloading. <laughs> That's what's uh, well, going well, on. Well, so so eight <laughs> so eight million viewers. Okay, for the premiere on HBO, which is a pay service, um, and that also includes HBO. I'm not HBO, sure, HBO Go. I believe they factored in there. I, I called it Game of Buffering because I was trying <laughs> to watch it on HBO Go. Uh, that just didn't happen. Um, yeah, and you, you know, you would think that if they can have twenty million people watching the Victoria's Secret Angel show, that HBO would get their act together, given the fact that that Victoria's Secret <laughs> thing happened ten years ago. You know, maybe they need to fire their CTO. I don't know. Um, uh, or, or maybe they need to call my buddy Robbie over at Ramp Rate. Uh, oh, sure. Just just keep plugging all your I'm friends. I'm going to plug all my friends. I'm going to say hi to Raj of Brainlink. How you doing, Raj? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like, it, it's it's ludicrous. You know, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. You could go... I want to say hi to my fiance Michelle, at New York Funeral Consulting. <laughs> if you're planning a funeral, call Michelle. <laughs> Sorry, go, 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 go. it wasn't even. Meant that, you know what? I'm sorry. It's, I haven't been on a podcast in a while. Um, these are these are germane conversations. Other conversations you and I are having, but um, but no, I, I mean it's it's you know there's there's brand issues there. So one is is that you know HBO had a, a bit of a fail, but they'll be fine because people figure out how to watch it, but. What people were worried about inside of the industry two weeks ago was, oh my god, everyone's going to take Periscope um, or Meerkat or they're going to take... Uh, right, whatever, whatever. Or Stringwire. Okay. And, um, and they're going to record this and then they're going to syndicate it and everyone will be watching it on Twitter. Well, and, and, and didn't Major League Baseball issue a press release stating that they wouldn't stop uh, fans from using Periscope in stadiums. Correct, and and you know I think what what you have to consider is Major League Baseball's take on this is, is probably the smartest because uh, you know not everyone wants to buy the bootleg DVD from the Asian guy who sells them in my McDonald's um, <laughs> right around the corner from my house. Those those, those of us who live in urban areas, I mean, we've had that experience. We're in a uh, bar. Uh, and somebody just like walks in with a whole stack of bootleg DVDs. Whole stack of bootleg DVDs and, and movies that came out yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the bouncers are uh, trying to figure out how to how to boot the guy, uh, you know, quietly. And of course, they're getting better. Bootlegs are getting better. But but I think when it's something through Periscope, you're still dealing with the limited qual- the limited quality experience. I, right. I, I mean, even even Periscoping a. Uh, well, I can't believe I just used it as a verb. But but even broadcasting through Periscope uh, a baseball game means that somebody is holding his his cell phone up at, at, at you know during the game. There, it's it's not uh, television quality cameras. It's not television quality broadcasting. It's um, it, it's limited. Mm-hmm. But but that's that's one app as compared to downloading Game of Thrones, which which we know happens. We know that, that that's bootlegged out there. We know that you can. You know, get the torrents and start mm-hmm. downloading, and get the the high quality, get get the high definition uh, file. Well, and then then let's go to the second problem in this. So all of a sudden, the first five episodes of GOT Game of Thrones are available in the Tor network. They're available as mm-hmm. torrents. They're um, they're all over the place, right? And you know, there's not, in addition to plot reveals, which are pissing people off, and you know, Google has. Well, it's interesting, Google. Google just patented preventing spoilers 
from your search results based upon their indexing way too much data about your life. I but, did um, not know that. Yeah. So th- that's their latest patent filing. But it's, you know, we, we live in this, this very interesting world where on the one side you have to, to maintain your brand and protect your brand. But let's kind of think about this, right? In a way, Game of Thrones, by allowing that kind of piracy, is going to allow the dissemination of this to to drive larger fan bases than they've ever had before. Mm-hmm. And at the same point in time, because seasons one through four are now available on HBO Go, which just happened to deploy on a Apple device, <laughs> uh, everyone who has I access... it's also on PlayStation 4. It is on PlayStation 4. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Uh, but, but the market penetration of PlayStation 4s versus Apple TV devices of is you know, infinitesimally larger. Um, so all I'm thinking is is that, you know, in a way, by their allowing for the brand co-option and allowing for the brand, uh, you know, dilution, as you would think about it, they're actually allowing for the success of this because this is just going to get bigger and bigger and more popular and more popular. However, that doesn't necessarily apply to things like Adidas, right? Sure. Where, you know, I I think anyone here who's traveled to Latin America or the Middle East or some Southeast Asian country has seen Adidas. Um, You know, uh, (laughs) my my favorite is Nike. You know, it's not Nike, it's Nike. Yeah. You know, it's, and and even that's, that's getting better. Um. Yeah, there was there was a uh, actually going to uh, House of um, not Game of Thrones, but House of Lies, right? So okay. recently in House of Lies, Marty's son um, became very unpopular because he got caught selling knock basically knock off um, high end designer bags, which, which as we know in New York is a big thing, you know, for yeah, tourists all the time. Tourists coming to Canal Street, right. it's like you're, you don't think that you're going to go into some back room in Canal Street and get a brand new Balenciaga bag for freaking three hundred bucks. You know, it's just not going to happen. Thirty dollars. <laughs> thirty dollars. Prada, thirty dollars. You know? uh... <laughs> and and I will say, counterfeiting has. Counterfeiting a product has gotten better in times. The qu- the quality of the product is better, but you will still see differences. Differences in stitching, differences in in the quality of maybe the inner liners, maybe the zipper is a different quality. For a lot of a lot of people, don't realize you you do pay for what you for what you get, and, and if you're paying thirty dollars for a bag, it's not going to be the same quality. It's not well. It's not just the quality. It's, I mean, in, in a lot of cases, think about this: you're paying for design. Yes. You're paying for conceptualization. You're paying for the salaries of a ton of people to produce this. You're then paying for the production mechanism and transport of it. Sure. And then you're paying for the people who are selling it to you in boutiques so that they can give you odd faces. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you sort of not necessarily disrupt, but if you disintermediate that model by going and and buying something bootleg. Yeah, there's multiple ramifications. One is the economic ramification. Two is the fact that if someone catches you with it, you'll just be made fun of. Um, but three is the fact that it's it's somewhat harmful to the brand. Yes. Um, and and I think that's the, you know the the United States. Um, I think it's the sorry, it's the it's the FTC in conjunction with like two other departments destroys. Like, they, they basically well, confiscate and destroy how, something like a billion some, dollars worth of this get, a year. Yes, how something can get destroyed comes from a myriad of different ways. I mean, obviously, if something is brought into the U.S. through customs mm-hmm. and there's a registered uh, trademark, 
the registered trademark owner. It has to be a federally registered mark. This is one of the one of those hidden benefits of having a federally registered mark is that uh, the business owner can have customs actively help mm-hmm. in grabbing counterfeit goods mm-hmm. and then destroying the counterfeit goods. And the importer can pay fines up to um, the co- the retail cost of the goods. So if if it's bought at wholesale, mm-hmm. and of course retail is double the price, and that means the fine could be double the price. So that means that the importer is out the cost of the goods plus right. the retail cost of the goods as well. So double... You know, you know, double that that loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there are high fines for it, and obviously, uh, you can be fined storage fees as well as destruction fees. So, so there are high fines for importing counterfeit goods. Right. Well, one other thing I'll add too is, and so this this loops back to our talk about social media this this morning. Um, one of the biggest places to find counterfeit goods is Instagram. And what you have is you have folks who are not necessarily in this country. You know, they could be. EMEA, so Europe, Middle East region, um, sometimes in Asia, but largely what they do is they'll have, it's close enough looking, you know, it's, I, I mean, you and I have both worked in the industry with a couple of marks, so I think we can kind of look at stuff and be like, yeah, that's off, yes. you know, it's just, it looks off, but I think a lot of people just don't know, and if you were to say just, you know, like a, what is it, Louis Vuitton through Chanel clutches, I think average somewhere in between... Uh, five ninety five to thirteen ninety five mm-hmm. each. Um, sure. You know, when you have someone selling for two ninety five on Instagram, plus shipping, and will ship anywhere in the world, and you look at it, and it's like, you know, I don't think Chanel uses cheap brown paper and tape to tape like portions <laughs> of their, uh, their their straps. Um, you know, there's there's a uh, there's uh, there, there's that, but um, and I, you know, I think maybe what I'll do as a follow up to this is I'll put a, an article on LinkedIn because I've got a lot of that content captured, and sure. we can discuss that. But uh, it, it's you know it's it's bad for you in the long run because you look foolish. It's bad for the brand in the long run because they've lost the sale, and it's I think bad uh, economically because realistically you're not pouring those dollars in in a way that they're actually going to benefit a company that's sure. going to reinvest in our country. Sure. You're you're benefiting someone who's probably using sweat labor or slave labor somewhere else to make something of substandard quality. Yes. <laughs> yes. As as a business owner that owns intellectual property, all of these all of these uh, businesses need to consider the economic cost and ramification of the hard-fisted um, tact, as well as the let-everything-go tact. I mean, mm-hmm. if you let everything go, effectively all of your registrations and, and all of your intellectual property isn't worth the media that you that it's put on. Mm-hmm. But, the you know, and the hard-fisted is you go after everybody. And I know a lot of business owners don't like to be seen as being a bully, but... Uh, there's right. There's an economic cost to letting to letting infringements go. Whether it's uh, whether it's trademark infringement, copyright infringement. There's that economic reality, mm-hmm. and that economic reality is that right. You let a sale go. You let you you let substandard uh, products mm-hmm. into the marketplace. You may uh, y- you know you may think that your consumers would prefer. Uh, maybe a lesser quality than than, than what you're giving, mm-hmm. you know. Especially if, if if stuff just gets out there for free, 
If stuff gets out there for free, it's a challenge. And, yes. you know, I, I guess that's a, a good way to bridge into maybe some uh, some final thoughts, but also talking about freemium versus premium. You know, a, a great way for people who are selling virtual products and goods and services is to allow a freemium version for premium. And in a lot of cases, people will convert with that. If you're talking about traditional goods and services and the brand marquee associated there, too, um, there's a necessity to be vigilant. There's a necessity, I think, to maintain your trademark or get your brand mark. Um, and I think there's a necessity to to look at things from the perspective of there's some fair play you'll allow in terms of its co-option, or if someone is, you know, taking like for example, there's 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 other folks I've seen on Instagram who'll take a Louis Vuitton bag and they'll decorate it, and then they'll send. It, it's basically like. X, you know, such company X Louis Vuitton, which is very much like, you know, what we've seen Yeezy X Adidas recently with you know two to twenty thousand dollar Adidas shoes, and and of course the the legality or lawfulness of that is is in a gray zone because Mm -hmm. on one hand these are two companies that aren't really doing business with each other, but on the other hand we have something called the first sale doctrine. But still, when you're when those two collide, it still is a gray area in a situation like that, right? You know, and and I think that the simple fact that you've got larger brands sort of anointing these types of collaborations, um, it, it makes other brands say, well, you know, I can't really be too harsh um, in regards to these folks that are, are extending my brand reach by making my brand a little bit cooler than the way that we can necessarily make it cool because we're a little bit too corporate or because, you know what, that just doesn't necessarily fit our style. But if you like having something original, I think a lot of people do, and I think, you know, looking at Normcore, looking at half of the stuff that's out there, is it's being original in a sea of similarities to the degree that you think that you're original to yourself, right? Of course. So it's, uh, I don't know, maybe that's kind of the definition like, of hipster. I feel like I'm having a Shark Tank moment. There's nothing proprietary in this business. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, so I guess I guess our, our general thought is that if you're a business owner, you seriously need to consider how hard you are protecting your intellectual property, regardless of what form the IP is. Right. Because economically, it might cost you a, extra, a little extra to either, you know, have a cease and desist letter be written mm-hmm. by, by counsel, or to pick up the phone and say there's something infringing here. But 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 ultimately, the economic benefits will overcome that little bit of pain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I think also uh, the, the point is you, you need to understand if it's if it's digital media, traditional media, a digital product or a traditional product, what is the opportunity afforded to you by allowing this and what is the impact afforded to you by pursuing it, right? If you chase them, is this going to make you look foolish? And if you allow it, is it going to allow? Is it going to make you look better and sell more goods? So it, it's a very fine line that you're kind of treading these days, especially with the way that the social medium is evolving so quickly. Um, I, I always have people uh, ask me because <clears throat> they find themselves as defendants in, in lawsuits, and they always say, "Well, what if I just go to the press with this?" Mm-hmm. And I say, "Well, what do you think the press is going to do?" Well, they're going to see that this company is a bully. I go, "Probably not. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you know, probably not." It, probably because the plaintiff has some kind of trademark claim, and the press looks at this and, and says, I don't really understand this area of law myself, yep. and it doesn't necessarily seem as if 
there's uh, there's something bullying going on. Exactly. It felt a little different with the eat more chicken, eat more kale issue mm-hmm. because I think inherently a lot of people understood that eat more kale went you know represented a company that was not fast food. Well, well, I mean, little... you're not going to see eat more kale and think, oh my god, they're <laughs> ripping off Chick Fil A, you know. <laughs> And the other thing, I'm trying to be a little gentle. More. <laughs> I, 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 I think that there, there's, there, there's a decided, you know, there's a decided separation there. Yes. Uh, the same thing could be alluded to, um, you know, the, the new No Angels campaign that puts, mm-hmm. that basically puts natural sized women and plus sized women alongside the idiom of, you know, what Victoria's Secret was pushing, which is sure. basically lingerie for anyone up to a size six, right? Sure. Realistically, more like an average of size two. Um, and that's fine. You know, uh, I, I just kind of think it's, again, it's becoming very interesting that where do you want to pick and choose your battles with this stuff? Because you are not necessarily trying this in court the way you used to. You're being tried in the eyes of society. Sure. And if you do this the wrong way, you can hang yourself out to dry. You could also pretty much ruin your entire customer base, as we saw with... Um, the the social media debacle with that uh, small restaurant in Arizona that had been on a Gordon Ramsay show <laughs> that, uh, that that then subsequently got into a massive you know sort of internet verbal fist fight started on Yelp with bled over to Facebook bled to Reddit first remember that it, it started on Yelp right. it bled to Reddit then it bled to Facebook <laughs> and 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 you know and, and they started being made so much they they were ridiculed because they couldn't even get the nomenclature right. They didn't know what this. They're like, they're like, you know, you Reddits, go to heck. And it's like, well, they're actually called Redditors, you know, the same way we're called New Yorkers and Pennsylvanians are called Pennsylvanians, not Pennsylvanias, you know, you Pennsylvanias. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's substantial, you know, and also sometimes a mea culpa is needed if something stupid happens. After all of that, they try to mea culpa. You might as well just change your brand at that point. Sure. Um, you know, after you've had a, a protracted three-month flame war with everyone <laughs> who is challenging you and some of the most basic things. It, 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 really, it really says that, that in these particular areas, businesses need to get experts mm-hmm. in those areas to help, whether it's social media and exactly what it is. Yep. All right, man. Thank you for, for coming. Absolutely. And we shall do this again soon. I think we shall. This is a a good dynamic. I agree completely. Excellent. Thanks, Oz. All right, bye-bye.